On this week's episode of the podcast, I complain about hummingbirds flying out of my ass. Jared's obsession with Sasquatch is almost exposed, and we get a beautiful picture of a grandfather's joy from accomplished author and IT professional, Jeff Tunn. I'm Jared Nichols. I'm Paul Tulin. This is the best pandemic ever. Gentlemen, and uh, yes, for all of those who are listening right now, I said gentlemen. That means there are three of us. Well, there could be more than three of us. Essentially, there's more than two of us. This is another conversation where Paul and I do not just uh, bounce around in our echo chamber, but we now bring in somebody from the outside to help balance out the conversation. Now, if you were hoping for somebody who would be, um, you know, really obnoxious and have a low level of intelligence like Paul and myself, (laughs) you are going to be sorely disappointed because, ladies and gentlemen, we have... A good friend of mine and somebody who I have a great deal of respect for, Mr. Jeff Tun, is joining the best pandemic ever. This is also probably where Jeff Tun's reputation goes straight into the toilet, but I'm certainly I glad was that we did. that when I said yes yesterday. So yeah, yeah, yeah. Jeff's a guy who sticks to his word and his commitments, and I'm pretty sure he regretted committing to this, but we're glad you're here, Jeff. You have, you have a lot of integrity. Thanks, thanks for inviting me on the show. Yeah, yeah. So let me go ahead and kick this off. Um, Jeff, you are an ex. Your expertise is in IT, which I know is a vast, has a vast amount of uh, a number of things fall under IT. Right. But um, Paul and I talk about technology a lot and its role in this current situation we're in, and also yeah. how it's inter- how we're utilizing it as people. Uh, it certainly helps us to be productive, helps us to stay connected, but there are certain elements of IT that may be becoming so normalized that it's replacing that human interaction. It's replacing that need for connection. Um, I want to get your thoughts on that. You know, we, Paul and I have our own ideas on this, but as an IT guy, somebody who lives and breathes in that world, what are you seeing going on in the midst of this pandemic that uh, maybe has you excited and then in other areas maybe has you a little concerned? Well, I I think one of the interesting things, kind of a a side benefit, if you will, to what has happened over the last four or five months in the the um, uh, kind of the forced work from home environment that we've all been working uh, in for the most part since uh, at least here in Indiana, since the middle of uh, middle of March. One of the side benefits that I've seen is I think in some ways we've connected on a deeper level using the technology than we ever have in the office. And, and here's what I mean by that. So um, uh, when, you're, when you're in the office, you're, it's, it's business, right? You're talking about work and maybe you talk about the kids and what you did over the weekend and things like that. But it, it, uh, with this virtual connection, we're inviting each other into our homes which is a real different personal level, right? You're, we're on videos, we're recording this, right? And you're seeing into my office here in my house. A second ago, my wife poked her head in the office door and was turning down the thermostat. And, and Jared, and I know you, you and I have been on video calls before, and you know there's been kids in the background or, or your wife has been in the background. So I think that does, it's providing this window. And I, I think what I was saying was, you know, we, we see we see each other's spouses in the background and hear the kids and the dogs and the cats. And, and, uh, I was on a call earlier today and, uh, 
the guy's cat kept walking across the keyboard right in front of the screen. And, and the other, the other part of it is we see what's behind them. And sometimes we see, we can see what's important in their lives. I, I was talking with a guy a couple weeks ago and uh, there were some photographs on the, the wall behind him and I couldn't quite see what they were, but they, they were some pretty cool images. And so I asked him about it. Well, come to find out he's an amateur photographer. He loves it. Had we met in Starbucks for coffee, I probably never would have known that about him. Right. Yeah. And now there's uh, now there's this interesting personal fact that I know about him uh, be, because of that. So I'm not saying the technology has replaced human connection. Don't don't get me wrong. But I think it's given us this opportunity to understand more about each other as people uh, because we're all kind of in this together. Right. Yeah. Yeah. Paul, any, you, you have any questions over there? Well, no, I mean, I wonder, I just, what do you think about when, if that's the case, we'll, 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 we'll accept that hypothesis that it's actually giving us a, a slightly deeper connection, right? Because uh -huh. we, you know, it could challenge that to a degree to ask about the superficiality of the connection and all that kind yeah, of stuff. But yeah. again, put that aside for a second. Then what do you think the outcome will be when we, when we, when we shut this off? How do you think that, how do you think that transcends or how do you think that translates into continued connection after we lose the capability or we move away from it because we can? Um, well, I, I think the genie's out of the bottle. I don't think we're getting this back. We're, we're not returning back where everybody goes to the office eight to five. I, I don't think that's going to I don't think that's going to happen. The, the organizations that I talk to uh, across the country are are looking at becoming more of a hybrid uh, environment and if if that is the case then you're going to have i think initially especially you're going to have uh, your employee base is going to be divided into into groups right you're going to you're going to have employees that absolutely positively must be in the office because they have to touch something physical uh, in order to do their job you're going to have employees who are the extroverts and are just dying to get back in the office to get personal contact with, with people. You're going to have others who kind of love working from home uh, and, and they're good at it. So they've been productive during this time. And you're going to have others that want to work from home but sucked at it. Right. And, and it's going to be the, the manager and the leader of the organization that's going to have to sift through those four types of, of employees. But I, but I think regardless, we're going to be at least in a hybrid model where you're going to have more people working from home than you did before. Um, and so I think it's going to be on us as leaders to make sure that our company cultures extend to the remote worker and that we schedule face-to-face um, uh, -face time. Uh, some periodically throughout the month or the year or however to get people face to face because you, you you're absolutely right we're not going to replace the personal connection of, of of hanging out together and and having that across the desk or across the the, the table uh, conversation through through the video it'll never replace that but it could augment that right? It, we need to be able to bring people into the office for that face-to-face -face connection, but then let them go back to their home and, and work remotely again kind of thing. That's, that's what I think is, is going to be happening. Um, you know, and it's already starting to happen as companies return to the office. 
I, I think the other thing, Jeff, that, that leaders are going to be challenged with is managing or mitigating the tension between the haves and the have-nots, between yeah. the people who are by God coming into the office and that piece of shit who never shows up. You know what I mean? Like, yeah. And I'm already sensing that at the place where I work, because unlike Jared, I actually have to go to a job. I don't just sit in my house all day long and make money. Um, <laughs> yeah. <laughs> so, so I have to... So, so I go in, you know, and, and we said at the outset of this thing, one of the things we recognized right up front was a, a noticeable decrease in the amount of administrative and bureaucratic noise, less emails, less meetings, and, a, and, and an increase in productivity. And so I was hopeful that we would be able to hold on to that and capitalize on all those gains. What I'm yeah. starting to see now is a visible, not visible, but a, a tangible tension between the people who have decided to come back and the judgment they are exercising on the people who are not coming back. Now, usually yeah. it's in the perspective of, you know, in a, in a kind of tongue-in-cheek uh, accusation of cowardice because they don't right. want to come back. Right. Right. But but it, but eventually they'll get to the point where it'll be, you know, it'll be someone who's like, hey, I want to work from home. I'm way more productive here. I get what I need to get done. And then that tension will begin to manifest, I think. And I think leaders will really be challenged with that Yes. because uh, it's not going to be an easy thing. The easy thing to do will be to say, ah, you know what? Everybody come on back. Your job is here or, or right, vice versa. Right. Well, and, and I think what that the danger in that uh, is that you're going to have people that leave your organization because they really loved working from home. And if you're not using air quotes, allowing them to do that, they may go somewhere where they can. Uh, right. I Jared mentioned at the outside, I, I my world is the tech community and especially in tech. Um, you know, the the tech resources are going to move to organizations that let them work the way they want to work. Um, and and I, I, I agree with you, though, Paul, that it's going to be the challenge is going to be on the leadership to uh, enable to to sift through that and work with the individuals because it's you're right. It's a, it's become a new way of separating us. Right. Uh, and, and we've got the haves and the haves nots. And all of a sudden we're going to have dissension. Uh, it, it seems like anytime you throw people in the mix, you're going to have dissension over something. Uh, and it's a new challenge for the leader to have to 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 deal with that. And what I what I'm hopeful for is that is more of a short term uh, thing that we experience rather than a longer term thing as we get used to the new normal. And we get used to some people working from home and some people not um, over time. Hopefully some of that calms down. But I think it's one more thing that the leader needs to uh, keep their their finger on, keep their finger on the pulse of that uh, and and be ready to intervene when they start seeing it. Yeah, yeah I, 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 I'm, I'm sorry, sorry, Jared. Jared. But no, I, go ahead. I, I mean, I'm super hopeful, even if it was like 10% of the workforce ended up embracing a remote work experience, the impact that that would have just in, I mean, just in my own personal experience, I don't know what your, I don't know what your daily commute used to look like, Jeff, but I can tell you, you know, mine was fairly straightforward. I work on a military installation, so there's a gate you have to go through. It's not like when I lived in the Northeast and there was actual real traffic, but just that, just when we were going through, when we had implemented something called minimal essential manning, so a lot of people were staying home working remotely, the yeah. impact that that had on just people's stress level and how easy it was to get in and out of work. I mean, those things seem small, 
but they have a huge impact. So even if we're able to capitalize on 10% of what we've gained, then that, in my opinion, would probably be worthwhile. And I think that's manageable. I think that's a yeah. thing that every manager can deal with. Um, you know, because again, I, I think the challenge will come in, in with that tension, the tension between the people who are home, the tension between the people who show up to work. I, I think you're right. And for me, uh, not having the commute probably is an hour and a half a day that I got back. Ooh. Right. Um, and, and I can tell you, I spend that hour and a half working. Um, right. So, that, you know, my productivity has gone up. I, I think the, the, the opposite of that, uh, Paul is. I think it also has removed our decompression time between work and home, right? My commute home used to be about forty-five minutes to an hour, and I could shift out of work mode and into family mode uh, by the time I got home. And now my commute is one flight of stairs, and I'm I'm home. In fact, yesterday I was joking with with my wife Carmen. I yelled from the top of the stairs, "I'm on my way home." And when I got downstairs, I said, I'm home, uh, you know, because it's just that it's that fast now. And you don't have that time to decompress from the day. I don't know it if you've experienced that with what you've been doing. Yeah, I mean, I, I mean, yes, um, except I'm just a raging asshole the minute I leave and the minute I get home. There isn't much <laughs> so, that can change so that. The same way. Yeah, there you go. <laughs> but think about this. Conservative, conservative math on what you just said, an hour and a half a day, five days a week, 52. That's like, that's like, if it was, if it was 52 weeks a year, I just did the, I just did, I just used the calculator. I cheated. That's <laughs> 48 days. Well, let's say conservatively, yeah. 30 days of your life, you got yes. back 30 days. That's not yeah. a small, I mean, I get it. I'm aggregating numbers. It's not actually 30 days, but to put it in perspective, we now have the ability to give people 30 days of unproductive bullshit back to be, yes. you know, to spend with their family, to, to cook in the kitchen together, to, you know, to sit outside and, and have a cup of coffee as the sun comes up and goes down. You know what I mean? Like, that has to matter. Yeah, I, I, I agree. And, and I know the, the other impact that it's had on me is now when I do drive, I'm a hell of a lot less patient. Because I'm just not used to driving around in traffic. Hold on right? a second. So oh, yeah. the road rage, this is one of the potential implications of COVID-19, not just because people are stressed, but it's they have they forgot what it was like to, to tolerate yes. other people on the road. Uh, that would be an interesting <laughs> statistic to see, you know. Yeah, 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 absolutely. So so my other question from for, to ask you about technology, and I, I alluded to it in the very beginning, is about the superficiality of the connection. So Jared and I have speculated a lot on the difference between having a conversation with somebody where you're physically, emotionally, spiritually, psychologically accountable to them because you're in the same space versus the way we do it here. And even in this simple thing, I'm looking at you, which means I'm not looking at the camera, which means I'm not making eye contact. That seems right. simplistic, but there, but it's quite deep. The oh, yeah. you know taking that out of it. So what is your perspective on? Is that is that is that just silly or is there something to that? No, no, I think you're right because because it is it's 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 almost impossible to be watching facial expressions and making eye contact. Right? Because you the cam my camera here is above my screen and so if I'm looking at you Paul then I'm not looking at the camera and if I'm looking at Jared I'm not looking at you or the camera and and uh, that that does start to be a problem. Now, 
honestly, I think technology will probably solve that. Uh, and you'll end up with a monitor that has a camera embedded right in the damn center of it uh, at, at some point in some way uh, so that you've so that you've got that. But um, it I don't think technology ever replaces the human connection. It, it just it just can't. Um, but I also think you can get beyond the the superficial connections. I mean, Jared and I have 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 built a pretty decent friendship over the last year. We've been together in the same physical space for two days a year ago. Yeah, right, something like that. Maybe, uh, maybe. A I would say it's probably a now, phenomenal but... friendship. I'd go with phenomenal. Well, yeah, Jeff. probably life changing on your part. Had, right? You know, um, <laughs> um, but I don't want. I don't want to interrupt your thought, Jeff. So, so let me see if I understand this right. You invested two days and ended up with a phenomenal relationship. I've invested well way more time than I wanted to, and and I would say, and I, <laughs> and I would say it's a it's a marginal relationship at best. I mean, really, you know, it's uh, you so, know, you're so doing what you're saying. Right. I didn't know that. What what you're saying is the more time you spend in his physical space, the less the relationship becomes. Simplification <laughs> there. No, I, but yeah, but that's a great point. I mean, that's a great point about the, you know, I've said this before. Um, Jared and I were, it's a LinkedIn love story, right? We met on LinkedIn two years yeah. ago. Now, yeah. of course, we live near each other, so we, we get together, you know, pretty frequently. Um, but it's the same thing. I, I can't, I, I can't discount. If you asked me, you know, two years ago, if I was going to make a bunch of new friends, when I was 52, I've been like, no, man, I, I, I think I'm good. I, I can't yeah, imagine yeah, having yeah. you really close friends. And I mean, at the risk of this coming back and absolutely biting me in the ass later, look, Jared and I are very, yeah, we're very close. We're, yes. we're good friends, right? Uh, God, yes. that kills me to have to say that. Yeah, that's got to be uh, painful. But thank <laughs> yeah. you. Thank you. But I mean, it is. We met on LinkedIn. We met through technology. I can't, yeah. I, yeah. I can't deny that. I mean, that's a, that really ha that's a reality. I mean, so a little bit of proof in the pudding there for both of us. Yeah. Well, I think it expands your it, it expands your network to use, uh, you know, LinkedIn's terminology, right? By you, you connect with people all over all over the country, all over the world. Uh, it gives you that. The trade off is there's less personal connection, right? So I think one one of the things, and, and I know you guys uh, both have studied. Uh, uh, stress and and resilience in the in the human uh, psyche and one of the one of the key attributes of being able to combat stress is connectedness with other people um, and I think Jared you mentioned stress earlier with the whole COVID-19 thing and I think that's absolutely right I think our stress levels have gone up because we have lost that connectedness it's harder to to do with technology, and we have to look for ways to be intentional about connecting. Otherwise, we do lose we do lose one of those key factors in being resilient against stress. Yeah, you know, I it's really interesting as I'm listening to you guys go back and forth on this. The um, technology has a you know it's it's not a one versus the other. You know, we've never really set it up that way i mean it's a tool that helps us to connect for sure like you know what you were yeah. saying jeff we have i think maybe in total it's been two to three days well we were we were in great falls 
and yeah. that's we have, Seattle we have, and Denver, right? Yeah. yeah. I think, you know, one thing, technology or not, is that you still click with the right people at the right time. I mean, especially when you're busy professionals, you know, Paul and I, you and me, Jeff, is the same thing. You know, we just instantaneously knew like, yeah, uh, I like this guy. Yeah. For Paul, yeah. Paul was like, I want to be this guy. But, you know, that's a whole other story. You know, not but for I this. I was jealous you were sitting in business class. I was, I was a little ticked off about that, that I was in coach flying to Seattle. Uh, oh yeah, business class. I yeah. always fly yeah. business class, bro. Yeah, yeah. that's like because oh, I don't. That was Great Falls. We were on our way to Great Falls. That's we right. Yeah. And you saw me yeah. there, and you're like, "What? What's this?" And I was like, "Yeah, Jeff, you, we have to up your self-esteem game, bro." That's right. That's right. <laughs> but well, listen, I. I'm a I'm a government employee. There's still a such thing as steerage. You guys probably didn't even know that. That's how we travel. Oh, you're talking about the uh, the C-141? Been on that. Yeah. Yeah, yeah I can yep. tell you stories about like the air sick. It's like you're just breathing gas or you're breathing all the exhaust sitting in those. Yeah, it's a hole there. <laughs> oh, you know what they say? If you're in a CH-47 and it's not leaking hydraulic fluid, it's probably out. <laughs> <laughs> Did not know, but I know now. Yeah, <laughs> so, yeah. But all that said is that I remember when uh, before COVID-19, all of that, um, oh, here's the main point that I was going to make is that we still, as human beings, we connect with people sometimes instantaneously. You know, those are the most those are the relationships to me that can transcend this problem that we have of not being able to be in physical space. Because let's be honest. I mean, we how many friends like real friends, people you really care about who you would drop what you're doing and go help them out. Do we really have, you know, in a world of like tens of thousands of connections on social media, we've, we've almost allowed this, what is a friend to be diluted. Um, I yeah. have very few friends, uh, which I know is hard to believe. You know, <laughs> There's only a few people who can tolerate me, but I count the two of you among them. Don't say anything. So you know, that, that, uh, that means that technology allows us to connect and, and, uh, and for us to expand our relationship in this current situation. Um, but there's another part of us too the human side of us where technology helps us to connect to people that we don't know finding you know similarity i've been reading this book lately um, which is absolutely phenomenal it's called the coddling of the american mind it's it's brilliant it's by um hate h-a-i-d-t he and another guy wrote it i'll have to find it and we can uh, you know and reference it again this is part of our other problem jeff is you know paul and i have bits and pieces of information that we'll remember but we can't factually check it right then and there so we always have to make the disclaimers like i think i heard this one guy said something about his cousin who read a book that was talking about yeah, yeah <laughs> so yeah. anyway but but the uh, the point is is that biologically we are designed we are tribal we have a this gene yes. you know where we are looking for similarities with each other and they've run several tests on this almost like minute things um talking to a guy yesterday who was talking about this uh, woman um, I think her name is Jane Fields that I do think is correct after Martin Luther King Jr. was assassinated she took her students and she started running these experiments I'm probably botching this story it's okay somebody can look it up if they want to but they started running these these uh, these experiments to see um, how people would react when they were separated into different groups and what they did is they separated the kids that had blue eyes uh, into one group and then the kids that had brown or darker eyes into another group right and in that they started to tell them a story so the blue kids it's like look you guys are the wealthier richer kids and then the uh, brown-eyed kids were poor and whatnot and they said within minutes even though they knew this was a game and they knew this was going to happen they just quickly started to act within these roles 
in you know being sincere like they the, the blue-eyed kids all stuck together and then the brown-eyed kids they all stuck together and it became this thing where the brown-eyed kids were like we want to knock these guys down we are very tribal we look for yes. ways to connect and find similarities so let me circle back around technology um technology also has enabled us to connect with people that are similar to us whether it's in music in lifestyle in religion all of those things that are certainly good on the surface when it comes to connecting. Sasquatch hunting. Oh yeah, man! Don't get me started. Yes, get me started. And Sasquatch enthusiasts, count me among them. You know, and you know, so you find ways to connect with these folks. The uh, technology has enabled that. It has enabled it in many ways to the opposite, to a negative, uh, for sure. But um, what I think about. Uh, technology's ability to do that. I think about the first time that I started riding virtually on a bike, this program called Zwift. And I remember yeah. this this visceral reaction, not visceral is probably the wrong word, this reaction when I was riding with a group virtually, we're in our garages riding, and you just, you know, and I saw somebody attack the group or drop somebody else, and I immediately felt like I'm going to help that person. I have no idea who they are. I just know their name inside this virtual space, and I drop back and work to pull them back up to the group. No connection except that we had been working together and on a couple rides without any yeah, kind of pre-planning. Yeah. I thought that is a really unique thing that technology is able to do. It triggers that small moment of connection or something that has you feel this need to say, that's, that person's with me, and that's yeah. in a virtual space. Now, is that the same as us having our friendship and you know, utilizing technology to deepen that friendship, or is it another side of our brain that's temporal, that's just a flash in the pan, that's that's just a mutually beneficial genetic component of who we are? And if it is, um, what is what's technology's role in that, and is that good for humanity where we're all being separated? Well, and, and I think you, you start to take those things uh, a bit further and, you know, talk about the world of virtual reality and uh, you know, it gets to the matrix thing. I mean, that's to the extreme. But um, I, I, I took a class from from uh, from MIT. I just love saying that; it makes me feel smarter. So it I makes took you look class smarter. MIT. But the class itself was on on big data. But the way they did it, they called it big data in in four dimensions. And so I actually attended the class from my office right here, where I am right now. Uh, and the class took place in on uh, MIT's campus in Cambridge. So there was a combination of a live class and a virtual class. For those of us that were virtual, we had an avatar. Uh, and so you could decorate your avatar any way you want. You could, you know, uh, um, you could have him whatever color skin, whatever gender you wanted. So you really don't know, right? It's just an avatar. And so for two and a half days, you're immersed in this world. Um, and so it, very cool technology, just speaking of technology, if you're, uh, so for example, you walk in, you walk into the classroom as your avatar and there at the front of the room is a large screen. And what you're seeing on the screen is the live cast from the classroom in Cambridge. And you're in a room full of avatars. When you look around, you look right, you look left, you're just seeing nothing but avatars. Wait, are you wearing a headset when you're doing this? Um, no, this, it was, it was, it was not true VR. It was more uh, gamification of, of this, but, but it was so, the experience was so immersive because the way you communicated was through your keyboard, right? 
but but I could be standing next to you in the in this room and I could talk to you and if Paul's on the other side of the room he can't hear us because it was using proximity and and I couldn't talk directly to Paul unless I took my avatar and got it close enough to him even though we were typing right that the avatars didn't know each other were there um, and we could decide at any moment hey we want to go to voice because you and I are having a conversation and we can't type as fast as we can talk right uh, and, and so we, we go to voice for a little bit, and, and you're almost surprised to find out that the, the, the person that you're talking to is actually sitting in Brazil, and he's got a Spanish accent, and his English is his second language, right? So it was easier to communicate back on the keyboard. But then the other cool piece of technology was they had a microphone sitting in the middle of the room, and if you took your avatar up to that microphone and you spoke, they could hear you in Cambridge. Oh, that's cool. Right. And, and so then, but so this is like two and a half days. This is going on. And sorry, the story's taking way too long. Uh, but we had a, we had a host, uh, the room host, her name is Christine and she works for MIT. And so she had this avatar. And so you got used to seeing the way Christine looked as her avatar at the end of the class, she's handing out the certificates to the group that is live in Cambridge and you're seeing the real Christine. And it was mind blowing. It's like, that's not Christine. Christine looks like that, right? Because you've only seen her as this avatar for three days. It was just this weird experience. And I think as, as virtual reality becomes more of a reality, there's going to be a, you're mentally going to have issues with the separation between what's in virtual and what's in real. I think that's going to be a real problem. Talking about talking with my futurist friend here, uh, uh, I think that's going to be a real problem. Is virtual reality becomes a reality? Oh well, I can tell you a great story about virtual reality headsets and Paul Tulin, which I will in a moment here. So please don't <laughs> let me forget. It's great. Um, the uh, but what really what's what is really interesting about that, Jeff? You said was this proximity. So I immediately think about the problem that we have in our virtual space. Of just everybody just feels like they can say whatever they want, they can create whatever they I mean, just they can be obnoxious, this and that. On on every this is all over the place. But they get to hide from a distance. So yeah. this proximity thing is really fascinating because it almost forces you, like if you're going to say something, it almost kind of creates this sense of ownership. Like I'm I'm right here. I'm not hiding, yeah. you know, three thousand miles away trolling you. Like if I'm gonna get up right. here and say something and you know, be a you know, do whatever it is I'm gonna do. I'm gonna own it. You know, that, yeah. I'm wondering what would I mean, be interesting to see. I mean, it's a, that you know, you're you're calling it proximity, but it's a, in my mind, it's accountability, right? right. Yeah. Because it's all funny games. If somebody punches you in the face, and that's not going to happen in the virtual space. There's no threat of that. You can't trick. You know, despite the fact that you want to go down the road and tell the story about me fighting that fat bastard <laughs> in the virtual. But that okay, that was that was just a game. That guy wore me out. But that's yeah, and he did. There. He punched you in the right. face. It wasn't fun in games anymore, was it? <laughs> but you know, and how much you can trick your how much you can trick your brain, right? But that's for me. That's it. That's why I always refer back to that accountability, that physical, you know, emotional, spiritual, psychological accountability. That's when that comes into play because you can do and say anything you want. You call it proximity, but then if you're standing in front of me, you can only say and do so much before that's going to go a different way. Yeah, and maybe in a yeah. civilized society. I'm over exaggerating the punch in the face analogy, but I mean, it's, it's, it's oh, yeah. like you, you have to, you have to, you have to reconcile that accountability in that space. 
And then the, now I don't know if there's a if it you know if we lose that or or if it's if it somehow um, if it's somehow mitigated or or diminished. I, I don't know. If that's necessarily a bad thing. I, I'm not sure. But but I, I think that's a huge part of it. Is yeah. that accountability? That's a that's a great point. That's great. It brings brings to mind we were talking about commute earlier because you know I'm on my commute. I'm going to say a heck of a lot of things to the guy next to me uh, in in their car that cut me off, and I would never say that face to face, right? <laughs> yeah, from the safety <laughs> of your I wouldn't vehicle. go there, but but I'm feeling safe because I don't have that proximity or that accountability. I can yell and scream in my car, and uh, the only one that hears me is the the radio. You know. But I really like what you said at the outset. It was very, very eye-opening about having insight that you didn't formally have um, and seeing into people's lives in a way that you normally wouldn't. I, I would, I would, in some way, I think that's a little bit of an indictment against leaders who don't make the effort to get to know their people anymore, or, yeah. you know, a little bit. But, but at the same time, I'm like, huh, I hadn't really thought about that. I hadn't really thought about that different perspective that it gives you that you might not have otherwise. I mean, that's a little nugget that I think is yeah. uh, is really eye-opening. Yeah. No. Yeah, because I'm, I'm curious about the, 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 the flags behind you. Obviously, one of them I, I recognize, but the other one, I don't know what that is. The other one's the, yeah. all 50 states. The other, yeah, yeah, I know you recognize the Grateful Dead one, but uh. yeah, so that's yeah, that's the that's the the duality of Paul Tulin, right? You got the American flag, and then it's bisected by this tie-dye beach blanket that my wife got for me, but it's kind of stripy, so it kind of uh -huh. looks like it's like tie-dye stripes on the flag. Yeah, so you're right. It's yeah. exactly right. It's like, you know, it's not necessarily there to be a conversation starter, but it gives you it's a, it's a little piece that you might not see otherwise yeah. that generates a conversation. But of course, I would I would argue too that th those little pieces present themselves in some way shape or form in a, you know, in a personal interaction yeah. face to face, yeah. you know. If yeah. you care but about they, people, you know? But they tend to they tend to fade into the background in the office and maybe it's maybe it's because this has been such a, a sudden difference. To go from hey on a on a Friday I'm hanging out at the office talking with people, and on Monday morning we're we're locked out and we can't go to work, right? Because because you're right. My my office uh, was decorated with some of the th things that were important to me, right? So it had the pictures of my wife and kids and, uh, and grandkids and all that. And if someone was interested enough to pay attention to those, they would have that a similar window. So, but, but I think we were so, we tuned it out. It was, it just got, you know, every day they walk into my office, they don't see that they, it just fades into the background. Uh, so maybe it has been this sudden shift that caused some of this. I don't know. So, so let me ask you a 180 degree question now, because, because we always like to kind of canvas perspectives from other parts of the country. So obviously the best pandemic ever podcast has a very specific perspective on the pandemic right uh -huh. um, and i have to the chagrin of our you know all of our three listeners uh 40. i have transversed the country from coast to coast and you know from from you know from south to north and from and from east to west so i've been to california twice um i've been up to rhode island i was in dc and generally what i find is that what we are being told is this dystopian apocalypse that is you know that is sweeping the nation is not that way at all. I have found people to be pleasant and not confrontational and as, you know, as not not tense and nervous and scared. So let me ask you, 
you know, what is what is your feeling about life in Indiana as opposed, you know, in real time, as opposed to the way we're kind of seeing it being told to us in the information ecosystem? Yeah, I think, uh, you know, I, I think what you're what you're driving at is, you know, that we're, we're not getting into fistfights on the street because somebody is wearing a mask and somebody's not wearing a mask. Right. Um, and. and and, and I would say that's that that is true that that I have not seen any confrontations between people. Um, uh, you know, I think there's been some uh, people are taking personal responsibility for the way they want to behave. So if I want to wear a mask in public uh, because I think that's important, then uh, no one is giving me crap because I'm wearing a mask. And if someone else isn't wearing a mask, I'm not giving them crap. Um, I may stay six feet or more away from them, uh, but I'm not giving them crap because they, they chose not to wear a mask. And, and I think that's, poor, that's probably more of the, the norm than some of what we see on, on, the, on the media, uh, you know, where you're getting someone getting thrown out of Walmart because they wouldn't wear a mask and things like that, right? Um, I think for the most part, people have been pretty, pretty laid back and cool with it. Right now, I haven't been traveling the the country like like you have been, Paul. I, uh, I, I we went several months where we weren't really going out much at all because we have uh, my uh, my in laws live next door and we're their we're their primary caregivers and so they're they're in a more at risk category, uh, and and so we've been really careful about. Uh, about that, um, some would say our some of our friends would say we've been overly careful, uh, but they they don't say it with attitude. Um, you know, they just uh, it's like oh the, the tons they they they're they're kind of hanging out at their house right now, and everybody's cool with that, right? So and maybe that's some of the Midwestern kind of flavor is that we're just a little sometimes we're a little slower and a little late more laid back than than other parts of the country but um uh, jeff I you're talking to two guys that live in the south <laughs> yeah yeah yeah, yeah. so uh, i have been surprised um to go out because you get that you get this perception that that the streets are dead and it's like ghost town right that there's nobody out and and i've been surprised that crap i i drove downtown uh couple weeks ago to 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 go to a meeting and was in a traffic jam it's like gosh for all these people that aren't going to work there's a lot of people out on the road yeah so so yeah so so i'll i'll uh i'll tell you it's not just i i would i'll tell you from my experience it's not just a midwest phenomenon right i went into what is arguably the belly of the beast i went i was literally in downtown san francisco a couple of months ago and i thought well if there's a place where i'm going to get I'm going to get absolutely sideways with somebody just because I take my mask off to drink my coffee. It's going to be here. And you know what, Jeff, it wasn't like that at all. Everybody, it's the same thing. People were respectful and there seemed to be not even, you know, very little tension about, you know, if you saw somebody with a mask or without walking on the street. And most people put their stuff on when they go in yeah. and to a store. And the same thing in Washington, D.C. And I, and I agree is, you know, it's it's um, it's uh, you, you see people out doing their thing being generally respectful so i don't think it's necessarily just a midwest phenomenon i, I yeah, so good. i guess yeah, well it is that that's kind of the, that's kind of our perspective and has been our experience so now i'll ask you the the, the follow-up challenging question 
and we have our own hypothesis, and I think it's fairly straightforward. But why do you think? Why do you think there is a different perception out there? Oh, that's an interesting question. Um, well, you know, I'm, I'm not much to, to buy into conspiracy theories that that, that everybody's out out to uh, set one side against the other. But but I also know that uh, conflict sells, um, and so uh, you're not gonna the the news is not gonna show a a picture of you and I ha hanging out, having coffee, me wearing a mask, you not, or vice versa, uh, and getting along. They're not going to show that. But if you and I got into a uh, a fist fight and you creamed me because because I had my mask on or didn't, uh, they're going to show that on the news, right? Um, and so I think some of it is what sells. Um, and, uh, uh, you know, I think... Uh, uh, trying to trying to continually I, I like to look for the good as well that there maybe we're trying to continually teach people what it is to operate safely when you have a virus running around that uh, that we don't know enough about that that's part of the problem right as we continue to learn more about this thing all along um, you know what what how does it happen that, that I get the virus and I'm asymptomatic and somebody else gets the virus and they're on a ventilator and die, right? I don't know that we know enough about that to know what causes which reaction to it or the, the person that doesn't get it at all. Um, so I don't know if I ever answered your question and all that, but well, no, you did. I you, think there's lots of, lots of people have lots of agendas that they're trying to leverage this with. Yeah, no, when you said at the very beginning about how conflict sells, that was the correct answer to the question, so we can now move on. That's right, yeah, you, yeah, <laughs> you yeah, win the yeah, prize. Yeah, yeah. Yeah. Jared's going to come to your house and paint it. That's yeah, the prize. That's right. Uh, it's going to be an interpretation. It's not going to be a traditional painting. I'm going to finger paint the inside of your house. Oh, there you go. Congratulations. Congratulations. Yeah, you're welcome. Can I decline? Uh, well, if you're a fool. Yeah, sure. So I, you know, I think that's, uh, I, I think that's exactly right. We talk about that all the time. I mean, that is, I, I've, I've all, I, the media is always because of the way they're incentivized, incentivized to create camps. That's what they're designed to do, because they are incentivized for profit. Nothing wrong with being a for-profit business at all. No, but if no. you're, if you're supposed to be the fourth estate, it's the fourth or the fifth, the fourth estate. Uh, they're they're failing miserably and have been for a very long time. But yeah. I think as as citizens, we have to lower our expectations of the media. You just understand f full well that the media is curating whatever spin or narrative they want to show you, and all of these things like that we you guys have talked about here about people getting into it over somebody wearing a mask or not. These are so minute in the grand scheme of just our country. Yeah, but somebody yeah. finds that video like, let's run with this. And now we can spin this narrative as though this is a problem that's actually happening. And it's not because. But I, but I also like the, the approach. And this might have been on one of your episodes or Jared, it was in a conversation that, that you and I were having or, or, or something or. Uh, but it just the name of your of your podcast, the best pandemic ever. You can we, we choose our own future. Some a very wise person once told me that. We he sounds very, future. very wise. I don't know who that guy was. But, me neither. Um, you know, so what are we going to do with this reality that in some ways we weren't able to control? 
um, and we choose what we do with it. So, um, you know, I I chose to to uh, leave my company and start my own business because who wouldn't do that in uh, in a global pandemic, right? Right. Uh, <laughs> and, and I I was actually talking with, with somebody yesterday and, and and said that it's been one of the one of the benefits to me of this is. I did get that hour and a half back out of my day. I did opt to start my own company and I spent the last four and a half months writing a book. I never would have had the time to do that and get that out uh, without this thing. So yeah. um, it, in some ways, you know, it's, it's what you make out of it when you, when you get confronted with this stuff. Yeah. So I got, I, I got to ask, I'm going to ask you, well, we want to be respectful of your time because God knows people, we lose people's interest very quickly. Yeah. Uh, but but uh, so this is a complete this is a complete another 180 degree turn. But I'm going to I'm going to preface the question with a brief explanation. So every week, Jared and I try to come up with hey, what do you want to talk about this week? Very simplistically. And of course, you know, I got all this stuff going on in my yard. I'm like overrun with geckos. I got hummingbirds just flying out of my ass. I mean, you know, this has been this has been resurgence of nature. So I said, hey, let's kind of talk about that. Let's explore that. And I said, I said, so I explained that to Jared. He's like, yeah, great, great, great. So he calls me up and I said, he said, hey, I got this guy, Jeff Tung's going to come out. I said, great. Is he, is he a botanist? Is he a zoologist? You know, he's like, no, he's an IT guy. So, I said, so that's what I'm dealing with, Jeff. Okay, this is the challenge of my life, trying to get this thing, trying to get this thing. So I say all that because I know, you know about as much about this as we do, but just out of curiosity, what is like the natural environment in your, you know, in your little space right there in Indiana feel like? Does it feel like, like there's almost like a resurgence? Uh, yes. Oh, okay. Can you so tell us? Yeah, yeah, yeah. So um, we've actually talked about that because, uh, um, you know, we uh, uh, we've seen um, more wildlife this year than than we ever have. Different wildlife. Uh, than we ever have. Uh, and I think it was a result of, you know, March, April, May, no one moving anywhere, uh, you know, because initially at the front of the shutdown, people people just weren't going anywhere. And so there was less traffic, less whatever. Um, and um, we were in this, also in this weird space that at about that same time, our road was actually closed uh, in front of our house. So all of a sudden there's zero traffic uh, in front of there. And, uh, we live, uh, in a very wooded area, uh, of Indianapolis. Um, and so we have a lot of deer, uh, and they've just been everywhere. Um, and we were, we were concerned that they would get used to having no traffic because they're just marching down the road and they're just having fun. Right. Uh, because all of a sudden civilization is gone for them. Um, and, uh, you know, we, we started getting concerned, but we saw, uh, uh, a Baltimore Oriole, uh, several of them at our bird feeders this spring. And we've lived here for 10 years and never seen one. Um, was it the pandemic? Was it, was it a change in, in, in people's, uh, what, what people were doing outside? I, who knows why all of a sudden they showed up, but we've never seen them before. Uh, it'll be interesting to see if they're back next year. So I, I think it has, there has been an impact. Can I, let me just point, let me just, so you're telling me you saw a grown ass man, professional baseball player at your bird feeder? Yes, yes. Now that, that is an episode is unto itself. 
Yeah. Because you, you really need to get out more, Nichols. Really, you yeah, really, yeah. you really need to get out more. Yeah. Yeah. So, so that Cal was the Ripken, whole, I think was his name. Yeah, that was the whole point of this week's show, and it took us an hour and a half of your time to actually ask that question. So, so yeah, so well done. I mean, we really, yeah, we're only we fifty really minutes into recording yeah, here, but Paul's time. math skills are so for shit. Any listeners that make it to the end of this conversation. <laughs> I think you ought to give them a prize. Yeah. And you know what? We've got a prize on hand right here. And there is a pun intended on that one because for the winner of this prize, Mr. Paul Tulin will come to your house and finger paint the outside of your house. So if you've made it this far, you know, do it. Yeah. Yeah. Guess what the risk of me actually having to finger paint someone's house is based on people making it to the end of this podcast mm. it's, pretty it's low real low it's yeah we need to start low. putting time splits safe, Paul. yeah i think we are yeah <laughs> oh, this is man. mostly just us having a good time talking to people who are fun to talk to more than anything i well i have one last question for jeff before we sign off here jeff what is the one thing for you in the midst of this pandemic that has been the the silver lining right like the whole idea of I mean, obviously you've been able to write the book, but I mean, the idea is if you've listened to parts of our other episodes, this idea of the best pandemic ever came from a conversation Paul and I had, and I just had asked him, man, how are you doing? He was like, man, this is the best pandemic ever. And it started this conversation about him building, you know, this, uh, uh, this bench, uh, with a table with the sun. And so it just, you know, so I want to, I'm always curious what, has this brought about for you? What silver lining has this pandemic brought about for you on a personal level? Well, I, I think to, to answer that on a on a personal level is the 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 connectedness with family because life did slow down uh, a little bit. We talked about no commute, having not having the commute and being able to spend a, a little bit more time. Um, you know, I'm I'm working from home, and so. Um, uh, my wife watches my grandson a couple of days a week, and I I can take a break in the middle of the afternoon and have Oreos with my six-year-old grandson. Hell, I never had that opportunity sitting in my office, right? I mean, so those are moments that that are priceless, right? And and, and I, th- those little vignettes, and there's probably been hundreds of them in these four or five months. Uh, that you would just miss otherwise uh, with the hustle and bustle of, of that. Um, plus, I have to promo my book. I wrote my book, and it came out on August 24th. And Boom. You know, so, tell boom. us about it. Go ahead. Yeah, so that is yeah, part of this. Yeah, what is, tell, what, us. tell us about your book. So uh, it's called Amplify Your Job Search, Strategies for Finding Your Dream Job. Uh, and it provides a framework for someone to follow and a set of tools for someone to utilize to uh, – kind of take a look at themselves and identify what is it that makes them tick and then what kind of jobs would would feed that part of them and how do you go get them uh, and uh, it's not the book I set out to write in 2020 uh, but uh, uh, believe it or not the first part of March when I started to see what the the pandemic was going to do uh, and the economic impact and the the layoffs and the furloughs um, I I literally started writing this book on March 16th. Uh, I went back and looked the other day, uh, and it's uh, you know it it came out on August 24th. So I'm really it sounds silly to say as the author of it, but I'm so excited to get it in people's hands because I think there are so many people that need this now more than ever, um, and it's why I stopped everything to to crank it out. So thank you for letting me 
plugged the no where can people get it uh so they can get it uh on on amazon on barnes and noble online um uh it's available there in uh in uh, ebook format and paperback format they can get it from my website which is uh jeffreyston.com um, and, um, yeah, so the audio book comes out in a, in a few, uh, probably in a couple of weeks, the audio book will come out, uh, but the ebook and the paperback are available now. I love that. We'll, yeah. We'll put that, you know, we'll put a link to that in the, uh, in the, in the show notes in our, in our posts. And I, and I have to say, I have to say that, you know, as we build up these, like this, this, uh, vault of golden nuggets the the characterizing the silver lining as being able to eat Oreos with his grandson. I mean, that's gold, man. That is gold. So, so I don't know nice. if you guys uh, have seen, and now I'm trying to remember the, the movie. Um, it's, uh, oh, Wreck-It Ralph. I think. Oh, yeah. I don't know if you guys oh. have kids yet. Wreck-It Which one? Where the Oreos are walking into the castle and they're doing Oreo. Oh, yeah, Oreo. yeah. I've been doing that with my grandson for for two years since we saw that saw that movie and he walks into my office this was on tuesday he walks into my office and he said grandpa do you have time for oreos <laughs> <laughs> i was dying how old is he dying. how old is He's he six yes yeah i've got a six-year-old i know it. yeah any and anybody who tells you that they didn't shed a tear when Wreck-It Ralph punched his way into the Mentos and it's going down saying that, you know, I'm not a bad guy, but, and didn't shit, you're just, you're a, you're a straight up liar. I'm going to call it out. I'm shedding a tear right a now. Yep. It's yeah, happening. It's I'm going to wipe it away. Yeah. Cinematic genius. Yeah. Brilliant. Brilliant. Man. Jeff, that's great, man. I really loved having you on the show here and we will, we will definitely put the uh, links to your book and all that. And I can say this, Jeff's a really good writer. Um, I don't say that about a lot of people. I don't even really say that about myself. But when I read uh, one of Jeff's other books, writes all your stuff. well, she yeah, that's she writes the long form stuff, which I always have to go back and be like, can you put this in normal English, please? And this does relate to because my wife is ten times smarter than me, which you know is a low bar to clear. But she goes in and you know I have to you know yeah, to make yeah. it to where normal non academics can read it. So. Uh, Jeff, one thing I was impressed about with your reading, so anybody listening to this, if you made it this far again, you are the winner of the finger painting, outdoor finger painting by Paul Tulin, uh, is that your writing in the other books you've written, um, what was the other one? It was on everything you learned about leadership you learned from your dad. Is that what it was? Well, everything I learned about leadership, I learned from Lewis and Clark. Oh, okay. So, so yeah, maybe yeah. it was the forward uh, that it was, you know, about, yeah. But then, then the other one uh, was Amplify Your Value, Leading IT with Strategic Vision. Okay. So the one about Lewis and Clark, I remember reading. Yeah. And I yeah. just thought, hey, this is really good because I could hear your voice. It sounded yeah. like you. And that's a rare thing for a lot of authors. They take on a different voice. Uh, so anybody who's listening to this, definitely, definitely pick up the book. Jeff is a great writer. It's enjoyable. You feel like you're sitting there with him. Um uh, certainly, uh, certainly well worth it. It's, you know, I, I'm, I'm looking forward to seeing, uh, seeing what this book is, even though I'm not looking for a job, you know, I expect you to send me a free copy anyway. So <laughs> the, shipping and handling is $17 and 99 cents. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, man. Without the postal service doesn't have their funding, right? <laughs> so That's right. That's right. Oh, shit. oh man. Well, Paul, any last, uh, any last, any last words? No, it's been absolutely delightful, Jeff. We really appreciate it. it. This is just, this is just Jared and I goofing around and having a good time. And honestly, 
if nobody else gets the, you know, those two really insightful observations that you made, one about, you know, being able to see into people's lives in a way that we weren't, that was really eye-opening for me. Um, and two, just that, just that lovely image of, you know, you sharing Oreos with your grandson as the silver lining that, that made the time worth it for, for me. And, and I really appreciate it. Yeah. Well, Absolutely. I appreciate being on the show with you, Paul. It's fantastic to meet you, man. I, uh, uh, I've enjoyed getting to know you a little bit over the last uh, hour and a half and uh, appreciate it, man. Nice. Well, guys, I'll take us out. So for all of the, all of you who are listening, number one, thank you for completing the show with us. Uh, you are welcome. And uh, if you have not subscribed to this podcast, take a second and, and subscribe. It's an important, important decision that you need to make right now, today. And then you also, uh, you also need to pass this on to your friends and family, especially those in quarantine who are lacking any kind of quality media. Um, go ahead and add to that collection. Send them, uh, send them our way. Uh, leave us a comment. Uh, leave us a comment on the show. Uh, find us on social media, on LinkedIn, on Facebook, on Instagram, and, and interact with us. Uh, we want to hear what, you, what you're experiencing. We want to hear your stories. And, uh, and, of course, we want your questions. So, you know, because Paul and I, we're going to run out of material real fast. So we're kind of begging. All right. That is it. Look forward to seeing you all next week.